0: I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her Podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her Podcast formerly known as the Awaken My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Amberly Lago is a peak performance coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and a leading expert in the field of resilience transformation. She's the bestselling author of True Grit and Great, Unstoppable Life Mastermind. Through her book, coaching methods, and masterminds, she's curated unique tools to teach others how to tap into their superpower of resilience and elevate their lives and businesses. She builds grit, Inspires hope, fuels passion, and uncovers your superpower of resilience. Amberly has most recently been featured on NBC's Today Show, The Doctors, Hallmark, and featured magazines such as Shape Fit Pregnancy, Yahoo Health Magazine, and much, much more. Please welcome to the show Amberly Lago.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank you for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. I'm so Excited that we have finally been able to connect. It's been a while, hasn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it has. And I, I believe nothing happens before time. I believe this is definitely perfect timing. Sometimes we have our minds set on things happening within a certain time, but I've I've learned to let go of that and accept yeah. when the time is right. So I believe that this is the perfect time. So thank you so much, Amberly, for not only agreeing to have this conversation and be on the podcast, but I'm already thankful. And I know in advance that you are going to share so many gems and wisdom from your story. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, before we get to, you know, where you are presently, I love to a little bit of your backstory. I feel like, you know, we're all adults walking around with our childhood wounds and childhood traumas. So I I love to understand who you were when you were a child. Like, you know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? What type of teenager were you? Oh, and, uh, you know, I'm so what a great question, because, yeah, I, I,
1: I feel like so many wounds so many things that we go through, some you know challenges or, or traumas that we go through, and we might even think, oh, I've healed that, I'm over that, I'm past that, done with that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, something comes along and you are triggered and you're like, whoa, what the heck? Where did that come from? And I'll never forget when I was, um, gosh, I must have been 25 years old. I went into to my therapist and I was talking to her about this relationship that I was in and I was there to talk about the relationship. And then she looks at me and she goes, were you sexually abused? And I said, yeah, how'd you know? And she goes, oh, all the signs are there. Well, well, what have you done to heal? I said, oh, I've healed it. I've done the work. I've read books. I, I'm past that. That's not why I'm here. She goes, I don't think you have worked on that like you should and she gave me a bunch of books to read and then I dove into that a little bit more um but you know as a kid I um it's so funny my mom's best friend just sent her a picture of me she texted me a picture just sent me this picture and I I just I just look pathetic. I mean, I, I wrote my mom and I said, my goodness, bless my heart. I was just the ugliest little thing you ever saw. I was <laughs> such a tomboy. I was. Oh, my goodness. And I told my mom, I was like, oh, my goodness. I remember this moment. I was horrified. You put me in this pageant. I was. I didn't even like wearing dresses. I was such a tomboy. And I'm in a pink taffeta ruffledy dress, and I've got these big buck teeth, and my hair's frizzy, and I just look so uncomfortable in this picture. And so, anyway, <laughs> my mom, I think, put me in dance because it was kind of the girly thing to do, because I was happy outside making mud pies, playing you know, playing with the boys, riding dirt bikes. I mean, I was really a tomboy. But, you know, I'm so grateful to her for putting me in dance because it became my outlet. It became my place where I could build upon my joy, especially when I was dealing with a lot of pain. My parents got divorced when I was eight years old, and shortly after, I mean, it felt like my parents just got divorced, and my mom said, and by the way, this is going to be your new stepdad, and um, he sexually abused me, and that's something that I couldn't speak of, or or at one point, I, I never imagined I would be able to talk about it, but through a lot of therapy, a lot of tears, a lot of healing work, I can talk about it, and and it wasn't until I wrote my book and I wrote about it that I was like, wow, I thought I dealt with this. But there's something about writing like pen to paper that is so mm-hmm. cathartic. Um, but mm-hmm. as a child, I remember being so much in pain and shame and anger and what I did was I decided to do something that made me feel good. And that's what I do to this day. And so I got into athletics. I got into track. I set, I, I ran and I feel like the the shame and the anger almost fueled my running. And I got first place. And then I set a record in the state of Texas for running the fastest mile. And I got straight A's. I became an honor roll student. I was, you know, voted Miss Greenville High School, class favorite. Like I, anything that I could do to improve myself and to make me feel better, I did. And I loved dance. And I remember going to a convention in Dallas because I grew up in this small town. And that was also when MTV came out and they had these videos that would play on Friday nights. And, and I thought, You mean you can get paid to dance? I mean, I can get paid (laughs) to do what I love? Well, then, heck, I'm doing that. So I worked four jobs until I saved up enough money, which was $1,200. And as soon as I graduated from high school, I packed up my little Suzuki Samurai, and I headed from Texas to California with, I mean, I think ignorance is bliss. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had so many people tell me, You're never going to make it. Who do you think you are? I mean, I remember my stepmom, the, the last thing she said to me is, I think you're making a big mistake. And I was like, I am out of this small town. I am going to go follow my dreams and I'm going to make something of myself. Well, I think I was pushed, you know. By pain, I was like, I am not saying this place that's unsafe. And I was pulled by my passion. And then when I got out here, I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, I didn't have parents that were like, let me go set you up in a nice apartment. Let me go out there with you. It was like, if I wanted to make it, I knew I was going to have to do it. So right away, within the first two weeks that I got to California, I had four jobs. Um, wow. And a month later, I was in my first music video dancing with MC Hammer. And so, uh-huh. I, yeah, can you believe that? And so all the people that were like, you'll never make it. Suddenly, they were like, wow, yeah, that's my friend. I knew she was going to make it someday. She's <laughs> in an MC Hammer video. I know her. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it was 31 years that I lived in California. We just moved back. 10 months ago, we just moved back to Texas and um, rented a house and kind of see, we're seeing how it feels, you know, feels to live out here. And we actually just moved into our house that we just bought last week. And so there's so many feels and I I just, this is, I'll tell you one more quick story. Mm -hmm. I just had a chance to sit down and be still for the first time, like a few days ago. And I sat mm-hmm. in my little hammock. It's this little single hammock chair outside. And I just came, I, I just got overwhelmed with gratitude. And I just, this, I burst into tears because I was a single mom for years and I struggled. And, um, I moved into, you know, my little tiny one bedroom apartment and I had, all I had was a, a baby crib. And a little table, and I keep that little table as a reminder of how far I've come and I looked at this house that we bought, and I thought, "dang it, you know i I look at what my you know your hard work puts you where your blessings mm-hmm. can find you because you know it wasn't that long ago that I was a single mom, and then I started my business in the fitness industry, and I built my life back up again, and then twelve years ago it was all taken away, like like the rug was ripped out from underneath me and I lost it all. And we had $2.9 million worth of medical expenses and a lien on our house. And so to be able to sit and look at what we've been able to rebuild, Mm -hmm. I was just filled with gratitude. So for anybody listening, I mean, I just want to say if you hold that vision for yourself and you work every day towards that vision, um, God always has bigger plans. And if we just trust the process and put in the work every day, um, I believe those big dreams and that that big vision you have for yourself can is, is
0: possible. I believe anything mm-hmm. is possible. Absolutely. I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, you know, when you, before we even started recording and you were talking, I was like, I can hear that Texas accent, but I was going to ask you if that's where you were from. And then you mentioned it just now. <laughs> I, lo- I love, I yeah. love the, the the accent. I have a few friends that are, that are out there. Um, But you spoke to so many points that I want to touch on and unpack. So when you first started talking and you were talking about the therapist and how first, you know, I I want to say, you know, I'm sorry you had to experience being sexually abused and you went through that. And I can't imagine, you know, what that was like for you. And then having a therapist basically tell you like, you know, you, you haven't quite dealt with that. I did a story today on Instagram. And as you were talking, I was like, this is exactly what I, I was talking about in my story, how, you know, sometimes we do the work to heal. And we think that we've healed from that thing. And then a trigger comes up. And the trigger is not necessarily that we haven't healed or done the work. It's just, we're now ready to do the deeper work. So, you know, triggers can come at any point. And, you know, in my my story, I was just saying to people, like, just because you've had a trigger doesn't mean that you haven't done the work. It just means that it's time and you're prepared to go even deeper. So when you talked about you know, the shame and anger and all the other things that you experienced from the time you were younger till you know, being a single mom. It made me think about our paradigms, our habitual way of of thinking. You know, every one of us is born into a particular set of circumstances and our values are defined by that. And, you know, what we experience, we, you know, we're conditioned by the environments that we grow up in and the, you know, the values that our parents have. And from me following you on Instagram for so long, you know, you, you motivate me. And I was just telling you this before we started recording. Where do you feel that your conditionings or your paradigms come from? Were you born into, um, you know, hardship or luxury? Um, were your parents the type that had the type of resilience that you have? Like, where did that come from? Oh well, thank you. Um, well, you know what? I I'm so grateful that you
1: know I've got a uh, a loving, wonderful mom and dad, and they did the best they could, you know, uh, with the tools that they had. And and um, my mom just, she worked so hard a lot of time, Most of the time she worked two jobs just to keep a roof over our head and food on the table. And my dad worked really hard as well. He was an entrepreneur and I just remember him being so stressed. Um, a lot of times, and I remember my mom being so exhausted that she would like fall asleep on the sofa while folding mm-hmm. laundry most of the time or, you know, mm-hmm. um, my mom has overcome so much from, you know, divorce. Um, she, my little brother, uh, was born and had a brain injury and he's been in a wheelchair his whole life and, you know, then dealing with, You know, she got remarried to my stepfather, who turned out to be just this horrible man. And then she got divorced again. And then she has my little brother, who is on death row in Texas, who got into drugs and alcohol and led him down a really horrible path. And so she's definitely resilient. And she, you know, we grew up going to church. And so I knew about God and I knew um you know, I knew about the Bible, but that's not really where I felt my spiritual connection. And this might sound kind of crazy, but where I felt closest to God, and I still do, um, is outside nature and mm-hmm. where I would started to develop a relationship with God was running track and I would be on the track and that would be the time that I would just have conversations with God.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um my coach was one of my biggest mentors and my dance teacher was a huge mentor. My coach is I think who really taught my grandmother taught me grit and and how to be tough. I mean, she is ninety five uh ninety five. Wow. Gosh, almost yeah. no, six. And she still lives in this huge two-story house on a pecan grove, goes up and down those stairs, picks all the pecans, makes, you know, Thanksgiving dinner for us. She's amazing. So she's tough. She doesn't complain. She focuses on what's really important. She's, you know, and so she is like who I strive to be. Like I, I flatter myself to think I'm a little bit like her. <laughs> um, you know, she's amazing. And my mom is so strong. And, 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 you know, but I really think that a lot of what taught me also to be really emotionally tough and resilient—I I really think when I think about that—is being an athlete and being a dancer. I mean, I, my dance teacher didn't care if our if my feet were bleeding in my point shoes. She's mm-hmm. like, look, are you going to do that? Do you want this bad enough? If you don't, your understudy will take over for you. So it was pretty much like, suck it up, buttercup, get, mm-hmm. get, <laughs> get back up on your feet and keep going. And, you know, my track coach, it would be running, it would be a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity. And I, you would run so hard that you'd have to throw up. And she could see when I'd start to throw up and she'd be like off the track to throw up and then keep running. Oh, wow. I was taught like if you wanted to win, you had to push through. You had to push further than you thought you could go. But it wasn't until I had a horrific motorcycle accident and I was so busy sucking up the pain and pushing through the pain and working hard to try to get better. And I wasn't getting better. And the pain seemed to be getting worse that I thought, wait a minute, there's a time when, yes, we absolutely need to push through. But there's also a time that we need to give ourselves grace. Mm -hmm. And that has been what I really had to learn was to stop and go, wait a minute, what is this pain trying to teach me? Or like you said earlier, that trigger. What is this trigger trying to teach me? So now when I go through something, if it's hard or if it's challenging or if I get triggered, I'm like, what is it that I need to learn?
0: Mm -hmm. How do
1: I grow? What can I learn from this? And it's not that I want to stay there and get stuck and stuck in it and, and, you know, have a pity party forever. But, you know, look, last night I had a total like meltdown crying Mm -hmm. like ugly cry okay and my husband was out like what the heck (laughs) he he does not because I'm pretty darn I'm pretty tough and actually for a long time from the time I was probably 10 years old until I was 25 or 26 I never cried and that was because my stepdad would try to break me down and break me down. And the minute I would cry, he would laugh at me and make fun of me and say, see, I knew I could break you down. I knew I could destroy you. Wow. So I thought against that is I just will not cry. Well, that's not healthy. So mm-hmm. now I'm all for when you need to cry, when you need to let it out, when whatever you need to heal so you can process and and you know i just i think that in order to heal we have to feel so we're not you know sitting there dealing with it but we're
0: really healing it mhm agreed mm-hmm. totally agree you know i feel like giving ourselves grace as women um wasn't something that we were taught and especially for women like yourself and you know, women like me that we were we were raised to be tough, to suck it up. You know, we we weren't given the space to express our feelings, to feel the feels. And you know, our, our feelings are data. It lets us know what's going on. And if we don't process it, then it explodes and comes out somewhere, or internally, you know, we start to feel the effects of it in our body physically. So w- what is Giving yourself grace look like to you? Oh well, like for me,
1: I, I I completely agree. Like I was I was not, you know, raised where it was okay to feel. I mean, it. it we had sayings where when I grew up, like you know, suck it up, Buttercup, hide mm-hmm. your crazy, be a lady, and you know, mm-hmm. and just act like everything's okay, you know, and it was like, that's how I was raised, and it wasn't it okay to express, and I think that giving yourself grace, to me, well, often for me, because I live with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome, I was diagnosed with as a result of uh, my accident and having surgeries, and it's, in, it's this incurable nerve disease, so they say it's incurable, I have tried about every kind of treatment known to mankind. That's one of the reasons we had so many medical expenses. Mm. Um, and I was just trying to push through, push through, push through. And what I learned the hard way, and I mean, this is a lesson I just learned like in the past few years because I was pushing and pushing to the point where I was ending up in the emergency room. And a few years ago, I was in the emergency room six times in one year, and the ER doctor comes and looks at me and says, you can't keep coming back here. What Mm -hmm. is going on? You've got to take care of yourself. And um, that still didn't quite hit me. It's like I need to be hit over the head with a hammer or something, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'm hard-headed, but it wasn't until... I was actually passing a kidney stone. I had no idea that's what was happening, but my thought was, oh, wow. So I, so this nerve disease gives me a lot of pain in my leg. Mm-hmm. My back hurt from passing the kidney stone so bad that my thought was, oh, well, this is great. My back hurts so bad that my leg doesn't hurt and I can walk without a limp. Like always looking to the bright side, look, I can <laughs> walk a with- limp. <laughs> and later, you know, the next day, I started feeling really sick. I mean, sicker than I had ever felt before. And I told my husband, I said, I think I need to go to the doctor. So I was going to go to the doctor. And, uh, I had barely enough energy. It was like all the energy I had to get in the shower. I got out of the shower and I had to lay down before I could even get, have enough energy to put my clothes on. And all of a sudden I started convulsing and, um, I yelled for my husband, and I was like, "What's wrong with me? I can't." My whole body was shaking, like uncontrollably shaking. And he put his hand down on me to try to get me to stop shaking. And he called one of our friends. That's this is a doctor, and he said, "Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on with her. I was going to take the doctor. Do you think she has a fever?" What? He said, "No, I think she's septic." He said, "Forget the doctor. You need to take her to the ER right now." Mm-hmm. Took me to the ER. Long story short, I went in. I said, hey, yeah, I'm really sick. I said, I think I might have a kidney infection. My back hurts. Well, I was septic. And what really got me was they said, we've got to admit you into ICU. And I said, well, I don't want to go to ICU. I won't be able to see my kids. And they said, if we don't get you into ICU, you're going to die. We got to get you in there now. So it was the doctor telling me the next day, or the, it was kind of a blur. I was at ICU for three days, that if you would have waited one more day, you would have been dead. Wow. That scared me more than anything ever. And I thought, you know what? We're actually pretty fragile. Like, we have to listen to our body. And mm-hmm. so to me, giving myself grace means that... If my body is yelling at me that there is pain or I have a fever or my leg is screaming at me or I am all of a sudden I push myself sometimes to the point where I will be so exhausted, I throw up. Wow, That's my body sending me messages like it's time to slow down. You Mm -hmm. need to take a rest. So giving myself grace means being kind And giving myself kindness like I would to my own kids or to my best friend or to my husband, why do I push myself? Like, I think about it. If my daughter told me, Mom, my ankle hurts so bad I'm having a hard time walking, would I tell her, well, you better keep walking on it? No, I would Mm -hmm. give her an eye pack and I would prop her leg up and I would love on her. But mm-hmm. but I don't do the same for me, you know, so I think that I, I'm still learning. I'm not always good at it, I think, because for so long I was conditioned for so long to push, to push, to push. And if I didn't, I wouldn't succeed or I, or I wouldn't be able to keep a roof over my head or I wouldn't, you, you know what I mean, or I wouldn't finish mm-hmm. the race or and, and I've just learned that sometimes it's not worth it. Our health is the most important thing because without
0: our health, we can't enjoy yeah, anything. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I feel like many of us, including myself, have a hard time giving ourselves as much grace as we give other people. It's something that we need to practice, like you said, on a regular basis because like you, the example that you gave with your daughter, if she hurt her foot, like there's so many examples that we get on a daily of where we give other people the most amount of grace. But then for ourselves, we don't do that same thing. We are, you know, all our own worst critic. I was listening to how you described the picture of yourself that your mother sent you, um, you know, earlier. And I thought, <laughs> I thought we are definitely our own worst critic. Like the things that, you know, we would say about ourselves, we wouldn't want anyone else to say to us, or we wouldn't say that about someone else. Um, Oh yeah, and
1: I I remember when I my TED talk came out. It took me three days before I could watch it because I knew I didn't want to be so hard on myself, and I didn't want to pick myself apart. Mm -hmm. So I waited three days, and I was like, Amberly, be kind to yourself. I've learned. To talk to myself instead of listen to myself, because if I listen, my inner critic will come up and it'll just like tear me apart, telling me mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever it is enough. And it's like, as long as you know, you're doing your best, you did your absolute best,
0: then that that's enough. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. You've you've been through many traumatic events from, you know, being sexually abused to, you know, the car accident where, I'm sorry, your motorcycle accident where, you know, you had 34 surgeries to save your leg from amputation. I think you said um, in your TED talk, they gave you a a 1% chance of being able to use your leg again. Then you had the diagnosis with what was, it's dubbed the, the suicide disease, your chronic pain disease. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine what your emotional and psychological health has had to endure. So, how do you work through that to be the resilient woman that you are today?
1: Well, I, well, thank you. I tell you what, it takes a lot of work.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I say that because
1: <laughs> I don't think that we, or I haven't anyway. I don't ever feel like we get to a place where we're like, and I have arrived, I am resilient and unstoppable and things are good. It's like, you know, I I just feel like it took me down. I got through this, you know, horrific accident and I had a 1% chance of saving my leg from amputation and then got through all these surgeries. And what the hardest part was, was being diagnosed with a nerve disease and learning that you. They're like, you will always be in pain. Like every day you're going to hurt. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there are treatments, there's nothing we can do. This is a baffling disease. So you're going to have pain. So you need to just go get back in your wheelchair. But that wasn't the vision that I had for myself. And so I kept trying all these things. And when it wasn't working is when I started doing really terrible things like, drinking every day to try to cope with the pain and i i felt like i only really had one tool or a couple of tools that i used i I used to pray and i would run and i would run and that was my drug of choice like that's what would make me feel better and now i couldn't run and i was stuck in this hospital bed and i was just sitting with all these emotions and it wasn't until I took a really good hard look at my life. And I think that that is the first real truth, like transformational journey is taken. That first step is to look at your what your what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And an acceptance for what your circumstances are, for who you are, and for the choices that you're making. And I was not making good choices. And it wasn't until I admitted, oh, my gosh, how did, and I was kind of thinking, how did a good girl like me, who was never a partier, never, you know, a, a drinker, I was an athlete sponsored by Nike, end up drinking wine every day to cope with the pain. And I was like, I think I got a problem.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: admitting myself, admitting that to myself was really scary. Admitting it to my husband, even scarier. And then he was like, oh, no, I don't think you have a problem. Anybody would be drinking if they had to deal with as much pain. But the thing is, I knew deep down that I had a problem and I needed help. And so I think that when we really get quiet and we really start asking ourselves questions and we really start taking a look at the actions that we're taking, we can go, okay, how's that working for you? Is that mm-hmm. helping you or is that hurting you? Because everything that we do is either helping us or hurting us. Yeah. And so that's when I just really started to change my life was when I stopped drinking I started really you know went to therapy, started diving into self development, and to this day i I really believe that if i and I know i mean if I don't stick to like and I think we have to defined what morning ritual or what routines work for us, but I know for me it is so imperative to have quiet time in the morning so I mm-hmm. can focus on my intentions, I can pray. I can journal what I'm grateful for because I wake up and I'm not always the most positive person. I wake up, I'm in pain and I can start going, oh, life's hard. Like, you know, this sucks. I can't hardly walk today. But instead I shift that with gratitude. And so I think that if You know, the minute you're feeling sad or discouraged or you're getting caught up in comparison, if you can just start to think of one thing that you're grateful for, it's the quickest and easiest way to feel better about your situation. And so and moving my body. So I think it's really important to have what your non-negotiables are that, Mm -hmm. you know, you to live a better life. Uh, to be a better person, a better mom, a better sister, a better daughter, um, a better leader and stick to those things. And for me, it's definitely quiet time. It's daily readings. I have a group of ladies that they're my accountability partners. And every day we now do it on the app and we text 10 things or we write down in this journal, 10 things that we're grateful for. And we just shoot each other that text.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful
1: to, you know, feel grateful, it's another thing to write it and it's another thing to share it. Yes. And it's another thing to feel what somebody else is grateful for because that will sure change your day as well. And so I think that I, I I think that for me by having these things that I do daily and um and also making sure like that when I first get up in the morning I want to grab my phone. I want to check out Instagram. I shoot, I even want to get on TikTok if we're being honest here. Mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, I do not allow myself to pick up my phone unless I have first set the tone for the day. And then so many times that I don't feel like working out, that I'm not motivated and I don't depend on motivation. I depend on... Healthy habits of I, what I call smart feet of like, I know I'm going to get up. I'm going to put on my workout clothes. And at some point in the day, hopefully it's first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I have early calls, but I know that if I move my body, it will move my mood. And then getting out in nature and connecting to God, just, just getting grounded. You know, being in contact with other people and surrounding yourself with people who are positive and they believe in you and they're doing big things and they're talking about their big dreams and big visions and they're excited for life. I think all of those things really help me to be more mentally and emotionally resilient. Um, and then I go to therapy and I go, you know, I still go to meetings for recovery. I yeah. I have a Group of ladies that I put together, I call our, I call us the legendary ladies, and we're a group of entrepreneurs. And it also helps to be of service, and you know that's one thing that really saved me mentally in the hospital. Wow, was great being grateful, and I could feel instantly how that would shift my perspective. But being of service it got me out of any kind of self-pity and it made me feel like I had a purpose. Even when I was stuck in a hospital bed, I could make Mm phone calls. I could give exercise advice. Shoot. I had the nurses when they found out I was a fitness trainer, they were like, well, what exercise tips would you recommend for me? You know? And so um, a lot of people are like, well, how could you be of service when, you know, or how can I be of service when my life is so hard right now? there's always somebody out there that's going through something almost identical to what you're going through.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if we share our joy, it multiplies.
0: And if we share our pain, it divides it. Mm, I love that. I love that. That That is going to be your quotable from this episode. <laughs> oh, good. <goodness. laughs> I love that. You know, I I was listening to everything that you were listing in terms of you know, how you work through being resilient and it, all of them, like I, I, you probably totally did this unconsciously, but they fall within the five pillars of resilience, you know? And I think right now in, in this time, I know a lot of people um, don't even like the word resilient. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the word resilient and it just really depends on what it means to you. But you know, a, a rough definition is you know the capacity to recover from difficulty or, or toughness. But the the five pillars of resilience are self awareness, mindfulness, self care, positive relationships, and purpose. So you know when you talked about, well, you talked about so many things, but um, you know the the part about gratitude, um, people don't realize when you are practicing. Actively practicing gratitude because you made a strong point about writing it down and then also sharing it. But it affects your mood and your vibration that you're on. You know, you could be in a really bad mood. And I explain this simply where your feelings are just labels for the vibration that you're on. So if you're in a bad mood and you actively take the time to have a positive feeling about something that lifts your vibration so it lifts your mood it changes your 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 mood um you know you talked about moving your body um you know emotions are energy in motion um you know when you talked about your community of women that you share things with those are your positive relationships you talked about being of service that's you know you walking in your purpose like i think unconsciously you have the five pillars of resilience in place in your life. So it totally makes sense why I view you as the resilient woman that you are.
1: Oh, well, thank you. You know, it's so interesting because I actually didn't know like the um, five pillars of, of resilience in that way. But I had when i did my ted talk i remember they asked me they said you know you have to share the most important message of your life and i was like well i i think the most important message for me is like how i continue to get through some really tough times and it all came about because my husband told me i needed to pace myself and i was like i am pacing myself and I wrote down on a little napkin, I was like, these are the things that I do every day so I can continue to thrive. And I wrote down the word PACE at first, and then I added the R and called it PACER. And it stands for Perspective, Acceptance, Community, Endurance, and Rest. And so when you, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, all those things that I kind of listed in there, it's like, it, it's it's all very similar, but a little different.
0: But it mm-hmm. it
1: yeah, but it's very similar. Uh,
0: I love your 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 pacer method. Um, you know, like I said, I, I watched your TED talk and thought you had so many amazing points within that entire talk. Um, So anyone who's listening needs to definitely go and uh, watch your TED Talk. I know you you felt that you were going to be overcritical of yourself when you watched it. I watched it and was totally inspired. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness.
1: So that was my first talk, like the first time I'd ever stood on a stage in front of 2,500 people and given a talk. Wow. And um, yeah. So I was like, and I was the only person there that didn't have a PhD. And I'll share this with your audience because maybe it can help somebody else that maybe, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to kind of look and get caught up in comparison. And we all know it's the thief of joy. But mm-hmm. I remember if they rolled uh, the website and they had all the speakers that were going to be at this TEDx Berkeley um, all these people had these big initials after their name, and you know, I was like, "Oh gosh, I'm the only one that doesn't have a PhD. Shoot, I don't even have a college education. Maybe, maybe they got the wrong girl. Maybe I, I shouldn't be up there." You know, I started like the the it, the self doubt started creeping in, and so mm-hmm. the next call I had with a curator, I said, "Hey." You know, I'm not trying to like promote my book or anything, but is there any way after my name we could just put that I'm the author or I'm, you know, something because I'm the only person that doesn't have anything after their name? And she goes, Oh my goodness, are you feeling self conscious about it? And I said, Well, yeah, I'm the only one that doesn't have a PhD. And she said, You know what? You've got a PhD in heart, and Mm. that's why I want you on our stage. And that just shifted everything for me. I was like, yeah, I got a PhD in heart. You know, <laughs> so, I love that
0: perspective is everything.
1: It just shifted everything, you know, and and uh, and so I was really grateful that she said that it really changed things for me. And and then also, I think any time I'm about to do something that's scary, I always think about, "Well, wait a minute. I focus on why I even started and why I'm sharing the message. And it's not about me. It's about the people I'm serving, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so anytime I start to get nervous or in my head, I'm like, wait a minute. No, I need to get out of my head, stay in my heart and remember my why. And I didn't start for me. I did this so I could give hope and inspiration to others.
0: I love it. I love it. So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online so they can learn more about you and from you.
1: Oh, well, yeah, thank you. You can
0: find my podcast,
1: my book, my mastermind, um, all the upcoming events that are going on at amberleelago.com. Um and Instagram is and all my social media handles are up there as well. Uh, Instagram is where I probably hang out the most. It's Amberly Lago Motivation. And yeah, reach out and let me know. You heard this interview. So I always like to, you know, connect with people. That's the best part of the whole journey is just being mm-hmm. able to connect with others. So, yeah, reach out to me anytime.
0: Awesome. I will have all of your links where they can connect with you in the detailed section of the episode so they don't have to search too far. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So it's time for the final segment of the show. It's more like a rapid fire where you share rapid wisdom with the women that are listening to honor, elevate, and love herself on her journey to wholeness and harmony. Let me know when you're ready and I'll start shooting the questions. Let's do it. And I love the name of your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So, let's start with name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Um, I would say pre- one of my favorites is The Four Agreements. Mm. Okay? Uh, when was the last time you apologized to someone? Uh, this morning. Okay? What our are... my husband, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's lucky to have you.
1: <laughs> <Thank> you. I'm gonna tell him that.
0: <laughs> I will. <laughs> but you know what?
1: Just to be clear, he apologized too, so it's all good. And he was like, I really like when we make up like this. Let's get in another <laughs> argument. Like, No,
0: I do not like getting in arguments
1: at all. And no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They like the making up part. That's what they like. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, What have you learned in the last, well, in the past 12 months? What have I
1: learned? Oh, my gosh. So much. I felt, well, okay. So five years ago, I didn't even own a computer. And so for me, learning technology, uh, you know, I hand wrote 90% of my book on a notepad and then bought Mm -hmm. a laptop, typed it up. And so in the last 12 months, I've learned even more about technology. Yesterday, I just posted a new TikTok and I was like, oh, I think I'm kind of learning how to do these TikTok (laughs) videos a little bit. And so I'm learning so much, but that's like the technical side. But I feel like um, I'm learning every day how to be a better communicator, how to be a better leader for my team, um, how to be a better friend. Um, And so I I just want, I, I love learning and growing not always easy. And sometimes it's so frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I hope to always continue to learn. And so I like being in rooms with people that are a lot further along than me. And mm-hmm. so I've got some big events coming up where I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I'm sharing the stage with Ed Mylett at one event, then Jamie Kern Lima, another event. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn a lot at this event, you know? Um,
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm
1: always learning
0: so much every day. Love it. Um, Okay. When you feel overwhelmed, unfocused, or uninspired, what do you do? Go to the gym. I
1: work out, go to the gym, or if I don't have time for that, going to the gym and actually like listening to fun music and moving my body Like today, I was in between calls and I was just, I was actually feeling just like, almost like an emotional hangover, just exhausted. I mean, moving takes, it was so hard to move, like this move we did because it wasn't just moving all of our stuff that we forgot. We had so much stuff because we had stuff in storage, but moving my office and, and so many things going on um that I just went outside in my backyard and just kind of decompressed I, I soaked up some sun and just unplugged from devices and I only had like ten minutes, but that recharged me, and I also think that um you know uh just I, turning on some music and dancing around. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. a funny story really quick. So maybe this, I'm just telling you and, and your listeners that, so I dance around because it still, it brings me joy. And I was getting ready. I was doing this virtual event and I had my camera off and my friend texted me and I am in my office dancing around like kind of a crazy person, actually, like I don't <laughs> I don't like the word crazy, but that's my nickname that my husband calls me. I don't mind it. And my friend texted me and she said, "Amberly, I see you dancing. And I'm like, what? I had no idea that they could actually turn my camera on. Oh, wow. So glad that I have pants on. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I love dancing. I love doing push-ups before I do an event. And so I was actually in my office. So from that moment, I'm always like, okay, if I'm going to be dancing around like crazy, I'm going to put, maybe I'll put a sticky (laughs) note something over. But you know what? They were like, okay, well, this is the real
0: deal. She really does dance like this before she
1: goes to do a presentation. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I love it. I'm going to give you a piece of advice. My daughter went on to Amazon and bought me this little thing that sticks over your camera on your laptop and you can slide it back and forth. So it keeps the camera covered. I've got to get that. Yeah, Yeah. that
1: was opening for me. I was like,
0: holy cow,
1: that's (laughs)
0: scary. Yes. (laughs) Technology. (laughs) The world that we presently live in is quite scary with that sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. What's been your biggest failure in the last year? And why do you think that happened?
1: My biggest failure? Um, in the last year, it was, I lost, I had about five and a half years of sobriety and it was something that was so sacred to me. And, um, I got really busy with work mm-hmm. and was letting my non-negotiables slip, like going to the gym, like skipping right into work instead of taking time in the morning to really take care of my mental health. And I had a really tough time where I had this business thing that went really wrong and somebody took my money and ran. And another situation with my brother who's in jail and all these things. And because I wasn't like doing the daily taking care of myself to build, I think we have to build our resilience before we need it. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually slipped for one day and I lost my sobriety and had to start over counting. Thank Mm -hmm. goodness I had recovery in me that I caught, you know, I went to bed, called my sponsor the next day and I was like I really messed up and I got right back into the program but it really was like oh it was so hard and I had to look at like again what did I learn from this like you know um but it it really sucked um so that's probably I guess a failure, but I like to look at things as like, um, big lessons instead yeah. of even calling it like a failure, but I felt even felt like a failure. You know what I mean? Like I was being so hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And, and thank so you it, for sharing sucked. that. Oh, it sucks. Let me tell you, I don't recommend it. I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> It's just anybody who's listening that has got some time under their belt. I'm lucky that I did get back because there's a lot of people that never do. Mm-hmm. But it just it sucked having to come back as a newcomer and oh yeah, it was hard.
0: Yeah, I I can't imagine, but I appreciate your transparency and and you sharing. Like, you know, sometimes we share things that we feel we're embarrassed about or feel guilty about, but There's a woman listening that experienced the exact same thing and you sharing your transparency is going to be helpful to her. So thank you. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I hope it is. (laughs) So last but not least, final question. What do you wish women would do more of? Collaborate and cheer each other on. Mm. Agreed. One thousand percent. Yeah,
1: there's enough, and there's
0: an abundance
1: of success and ability, uh, possibilities and opportunities, and like that—that is actually the reason I started my mastermind is because I was doing all these events where I would be the only female speaker, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. we need more females. Up on stages, we need more females with podcasts. We need m- more women with best books. And I was like, I had all these people that were constantly asking me, like, how did you build your social media from like nothing to you know two hundred over two hundred twenty thousand and verified? How did you get a top one percent podcast? How did you get a best selling book? And then how do you keep getting on all these stages? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to, I was answering people individually, like do this, try this. This is what worked for me. Then I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a mastermind where I open up my playbook and my little black book and I Mm -hmm. I share everything that I know with these women so they can get on stage. And then this year I actually thought, well, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to put them on a stage and so um, in March, they are um, people that join the mastermind are going to get beat on stage. And it's the same stage that Ed Milette did his book launch. It's beautiful. Love and it. so, yeah, I just wish more we had more women out there, like sharing what helps and what works for them. Because, look, you know, I, I'm not going to if I do one big event for a company, they're not they they've had me speak why Mm -hmm. not refer somebody else for that event for Mm -hmm. the following time? Or, you know what I mean? Or I might not be like, uh, I have a friend who she speaks on resilience. Well, people might say, well, she's your competition. I said, no, she's, she's not. Her story is different from yours. She, her story is different. She's got a PhD in resilience. I actually freaking lived it. Like I've, you know, living it, Mm -hmm. still living it today. Mine is a totally different type of learning and what I share. And so I think that, yeah, I would say collaborating, supporting, cheering each other on those things. I I really, I, I, I hope more women come together and start doing
0: that. I agree 1000%. You know, (laughs) I feel like I resonate with everything that you've shared today. And there's been so many times where I'm like, oh my God, me too. And, you know, <laughs> the little girl in me wanted to like tell my story that was just like your story. But I, I love hearing your stories. I love listening to the wisdom and the, the the nuggets of wisdom and all the gems within your stories of how you've overcome your adversity. So I don't take your time for granted. I honestly am so grateful for your energy, for your openness and your transparency. Thank you, thank you so much, Amberly, for taking the time to join us. Oh my goodness!
1: Well, thank you. You are, you know, I love your show. I love the the new name of your show as well. Even, thank you. I love it. Um, and so I can understand why you have raving you know, fans that love your show as well. But you're such a good interviewer. And I mean, I feel like when we first got on the call and started talking, we hit it off right away. Yeah. And you're so amazing. And I appreciate you for having me on. And, and thank you for your time. I don't take it lightly that you've had me on your show to get to share with your audience. So thank you
0: thank you so much Amberly and to all of you legacy leavers out there until next time subscribe on all platforms don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast and I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week that helped us rank globally in the top 1.5 percent of most popular shows that's almost what three million podcasts that are active at the moment <laughs> so uh nice. <laughs> if if you could think of, I'm going to challenge you today. If you can think of five women that would receive value from hearing Amberly's story, please please share it with them. Feel free to you know share your aha moments or what resonated with her story and screenshot this week's episode. You can tag Amberly at Amberly Lago Motivation. You can tag myself at the Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in a manner worthy of your calling.